Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. Papa Francesco è pronto ad andare a Mosca per incontrare Putin. Lo riferisce lo stesso pontefice. In a new interview, Pope Francis revealed some of the details of his interactions with Russian political and religious leaders, and why he's pessimistic about peace negotiations. Ma c'è un problema. Questa he also gave some more details about the treatment he's receiving for his knee pain. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from Rome, Colleen, a sunny Rome and lots of tourists, especially young people. Oh, lovely. It's kind of a rainy, loud day here. Um, Jerry, we've had a busy day so far, even though it's 8 a.m. my time. I got a text from you at 2 a.m. about this interview the Pope gave. Want to give us the rundown? Yes, uh, we were a bit surprised. Nobody knew it was coming. He gave an interview and front page on the leading Italian daily, Corriere della Sera. He talked about his health and he said he's beginning to get infiltrations on his knee. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if that is a translation thing. What, what does this mean? It's some kind of, not exactly an injection. I'm not a doctor, so I, I need to learn more about it. That's all right. But really the big breaking news was he says he wants to go to Moscow. He is asked to come and talk to Putin. He did it 20 days after the war. That's 49 days ago he asked for this, and he still hasn't received an answer from Putin. Right. Let's kind of give a rundown of what the Pope said about Ukraine and Russia, because he really revealed a lot of the thinking that was behind some of the actions he's taken so far. So maybe we can just go through them. And we'll start with this thing you brought up about him possibly going to Moscow to meet Putin. He said something interesting, which was that now isn't the time for him to go to Kiev, which we talked about before. But he said now that he should go to Moscow to meet Putin before he goes to Kiev, but he hasn't had a response from Putin. So I guess just break this down for me. Why would he want to go to Russia before going to Ukraine? Well, it's very clear because it's not Ukraine which is the aggressor. You've got to go to the guy who is shooting and uh, it is Putin who is attacking. And so it's one thing to go to the victim but it's another thing to go to the guy who's pulling the trigger. And he believes that if change comes, it has to come from there. Right. I mean, a lot of the logic that we talked about and that I talked in my interview with Ken Hackett, the former U.S. ambassador, about was that the logic of going to see the victim, seeing Ukraine, is kind of that it's a show of solidarity. What would be the message that comes from a papal visit with Putin? The message is... I want to go. I want to try and convince him to stop the war. And he said very clearly in this interview, on the first day of the war, he went to the embassy. And he said, I asked him to explain 
the rationale for the war, basically. And then he said, I told them to stop. And we also know from Cardinal Parolin, he also has told them that they must create humanitarian corridors for people to get out. And so Francis believes that nothing much can be done until somebody convinces Putin that this is the wrong track. I want to go back to what he revealed in this interview that just came out about why he decided to go to the Russian embassy, because he reveals that he kind of did it in lieu of talking to Putin on the phone. He said he wanted it to be a gesture that everyone would see. Yes, he said, I didn't call Putin. I decided not to speak to him. It wasn't going to be a private conversation. It was a public act to tell the world that he was going there to ask him to stop the war. And he's made a few attempts, I understand, to get a message to Putin to stop the bombing of the city of Mariupol, the southern port of Ukraine. He's convinced that really the center of decision-making is in the Kremlin with Putin. And he believes that if he sits across the table from Putin, that maybe something can change. Yeah, Jerry, one thing that's really striking about both this interview he gave and also his words on Sunday about the Russia-Ukraine conflict is how specific his calls are. Like, it's very clear that the Pope is paying really close attention to this. We saw him make calls for people to be evacuated from one specific steel mill where people are trapped, for example. It's really striking reading this, how well-informed he is about the situation. Francis is very well-informed. Every day he's getting information and asking for information on the war. And it's not just from his diplomats. It's also from <laughs> reporters like Elisabetta, who's, is she back in Ukraine yet? Yes, she will be down there in the morning. Got it. And he's tracking this war with an amazing amount of detail. And he questioned, are the leaders really looking for peace? Right. The Pope seems pretty pessimistic about the possibility of peace. He says that for peace, there is not enough will coming from Russia. And he also says, I am pessimistic, but we must make every possible gesture to stop the war. So it's very clear that his his goal is peace, but it doesn't seem like he's very hopeful for it. It's very unusual for the Pope to reveal what another president says in a private conversation with him. And yet this morning in this interview, he said the Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, who is very close to Putin, told him on the 21st of April that the Russians have a plan to end the war on the 9th of May. The 9th of May is the anniversary of the Russian defeat of the Nazis in 1945. But clearly, Francis is not very convinced, like many other people, that this is actually what's going to happen. And this is why he says, I'm pessimistic. But I guess what I want to understand is what ending the war on May 9th means. Well, it's obvious that he's very pessimistic and he's, he's rather doubtful about this. The original idea, it seems, was that every year in Moscow on May 9th, they have a big victory parade. And the idea was that President Putin would be able to have a big victory parade having conquered Ukraine. It's looking increasingly unlikely that he will do this. Now they say that he may parade 500 Ukrainian soldiers that they have captured in this parade in Moscow. But the other and the more troubling news that's coming out is that Putin could declare a total war. Up to now, he has called it 
a, a special military operation. It will be against the West, against NATO, and he will then use war powers for conscription and for uh, taking control of everything else in the country. This is quite disturbing. So everybody is looking to May the 9th to see what will happen. It's probably worth mentioning right here that Pope Francis on Sunday asked everyone to pray a rosary for peace in Ukraine every day for the month of May. I think we could really use that right now. Yes, I think Francis has always believed that his first role is as a spiritual leader. And he says in this interview, I'm a priest, so what can I do? I do what I can. And one of the things he can do, he prays. Jerry, speaking of the Pope as a spiritual leader, let's talk about his interactions with the other main spiritual leader in this conflict, Russian Orthodox Patriarch Kirill. He had some strong words about Kirill in this interview that just came out. Yes. In fact, we get bit by bit what happened on March the 16th when he had this virtual conversation with Patriarch Kirill. It lasted 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Francis today revealed, he says, the first 20 minutes Kirill read from a script providing the rationale for the war, the reasons behind the war. At the end of 20 minutes, the Pope said to him, look, I don't understand anything of that. But he said, brother, this is what he says in the interview, he says, brother. Yeah, this is the quote, yeah. As pastors, we are not meant to be clerics of the state. And then he says that Kirill is not to be the cleric of Putin. It's very strong. So Francis was very clear. He was asked, don't you think that Kirill could convince Putin to open the window for you to come? Right. And the Pope kind of shook his head, those who did the interview said, and he effectively dismissed the idea. Then he recalled that he said, Kirill and I had planned to meet. He was going to go to Jerusalem on the 14th of June for business that had nothing to do with the war because it's been planned for some time. And he said, but then he agreed with me that we should stop this. We should not have it. Yeah, he says it would be an ambiguous signal. It would be an ambiguous signal because Kirill has openly, publicly supported the Russian invasion attack. They don't call it that on Ukraine. And so for France is very clear. Uh, Kirill, in the end, agreed with me that this would be an ambiguous signal. And I think that's kind of right. Like we saw what went down with the Stations of the Cross during Holy Week, which he also talks about in this interview, where the Russian and Ukrainian women were going to deliver their reflection together. And ultimately, he said that one of the cardinals that the Pope sent to Ukraine told him, no, like you should listen to the complaints from the Ukrainians. We may not totally understand it, but we should have them not deliver this reflection specifically, but instead have them remain silent because of what it communicates. And I think that's the same logic behind why he doesn't want to go to meet the patriarch and have these images of them embracing in the middle of a war that Carol's blessed. His meeting with Patriarch Kirill would really have caused major upset, not just in Ukraine, but also in Poland, in many other countries of Eastern Europe, but across much of the Orthodox world, because so many of them now disagree with Kirill, and some have publicly protested seeking to get him removed from office. We're going to take a short break now, and after we come back, we'll talk about what this new interview reveals about Pope Francis's view of this war and how he thinks that we should approach peace. Stay with us.
Jerry, as we look at this new interview from the Pope that reveals so much about kind of his thinking around this war, I want to talk to you about kind of the bigger picture here, which is what these specific details that are revealed in this interview reveal about how the Pope wants us to approach this question of war and peace. Well, last week a book was published, more than 200 pages, which puts together his talks on war and peace in his nine-year pontificate. It's quite a substantial book. It's only in Italian so far, but I understand it will come in English. Basically, Francis sees war as destructive, not constructive, not productive. And he says, we are really wasting our resources by investing them in the wrong direction, investing them in arms, not in the building of people's lives. You mentioned the book that the Pope released, and he spoke about that in this interview. He said that it was really important to him to publish this book with the subtitle, The Courage to Build Peace. He is aware that building peace right now is, although it's something people deeply want, it is also deeply unpopular to actually do. So let's talk about the Pope's efforts towards building peace. What's his approach here, if you were to kind of describe it in general terms? Well, it's multifaceted. He's got the whole of the Vatican diplomatic corps liaising with governments around the world, trying to convince them to begin a serious dialogue. And with the absence of dialogue, you cannot end the war. And the Pope is deeply disturbed by this. And he says, are people really putting in a real effort on all sides to stop the war? And we heard when the Pope asked on Palm Sunday, for a truce for Easter. And then the United Nations Secretary General with the Pope on Easter Sunday asked for the same thing for the Orthodox Easter. And the Russian foreign minister says there will be no stop to the fighting. This is what really disturbs the Pope. He says there's now such investment. We see there's $33 billion bill going through Congress to feed four to six months of this war. Right. It's like there are these high-profile conversations happening between world leaders, but they're not with the aim of peace. As I've said before in this program, there's none so deaf as those who do not want to hear. And it seems at this moment that the Kremlin does not want to listen to peace talk. They want victory. They want taking of territory. And when they have got their trophies, even if the trophies... As the Pope said, you put a flag on rubble and call it victory. I think we feel it more in Europe because we realize that this can spill over into other European countries. Right. Pope Francis has spoken often about a third world war being fought piecemeal because he sees that a lot of these wars and proxy wars around the world are interconnected. It's a lot of the same main powers who are fighting them. And this possibility of Russia declaring all-out war on Ukraine would be a huge escalation from a piecemeal world war to one that could be a very real singular world war affecting everyone. It will take very little to turn this war from a kind of a proxy war, if you wish, into something different. Because if Putin declares war, many analysts believe he will say that the West is attacking us, NATO is attacking us, and so we must defend the fatherland. Jerry, could you also talk about the significance of Pope Francis comparing this war to the Rwandan genocide? That was a really strong part of this interview that he gave. This was a surprising part of the interview since up to now, 
nobody in the Vatican, nor the Pope himself, has drawn the parallel with the Rwanda genocide that took place 25 years ago. What's the parallel he sees? He sees what happened in Rwanda was the attempt to destroy the culture of the people, destroy the identity of the people, and there was the physical elimination. So you've got two types of genocide, cultural genocide and physical genocide. And so what Francis is seeing here, because take the city of Kherson, which is the one city that the Russians have actually taken. They are now being prohibited from using Ukrainian coins. So they have to use Russian coins. They, they have to use Russian language and are not being identified as they cannot say they're Ukrainians. And they want to have a referendum there for them to call for annexation by Russia. This is very serious. And uh, the Pope said, it's not acceptable that a free country invades another free country. Because what we have here is the total breakdown of the international order that was approved after the Second World War. Right. One thing that I've learned over the last few weeks of kind of digging into how Vatican diplomacy works, we've had a couple of interviews on this show with uh, former diplomats to the Holy See, is that the Holy See is in a really unique position to try to push for peace because it has very few of its own interests. It has no military or economic interest. It does have an interest in patching up relationships with the Orthodox, and that goes in different ways with the Russian and Constantinople-based Orthodox groups. But Pope Francis is really trying to take this route of diplomacy, most of which happens behind the scenes. He's sending various cardinals to Ukraine and to the border. It's interesting to take a look at this interview and learn what the logic behind his accents have been. But I think the place for us to end this week is on what Pope Francis has been asking us to do as Catholics around the world, which is to pray for peace. You know, you keep bringing up that he is a spiritual leader, not just a political one. And this is, I think, the the best thing that we can do right now. Yes, his starting point is, Colin, very simple, that we are all children of God, the Russians, the Ukrainians, and the rest of us. We're all children of God that we're brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. And we should pray to God, and God has the power to move mountains. And as Cardinal Krajewski said when he was in Lviv, he's able also to stop a stupid war. Faith can move mountains. It can also end a, a pointless war, he said. All right, Jerry, so we will keep praying for peace, praying for your wife's safety as she reports on this conflict, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks. Thank you, Colin. One last update before we go. Pope Francis has asked the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors to do an annual audit of what the Church is doing to protect minors and what needs to change. He also asked the group to help every diocese in the world set up centers for listening to survivors and accompanying them in their journey towards justice and healing. This accompaniment and the audit are steps closer to the goals Pope Francis has previously expressed for the Church's response to the abuse crisis. But some structural issues are raising questions about how well this group can actually do its job. You can read more on this story at americamagazine.org and, as always, linked in the show notes. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn and Ricardo Da Silva. Production assistance from Kara Hanlon at America Media and Robert Balliser at the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Audio engineering by Kevin Christopher Robles. 
Our executive producer is Sebastian Gomes. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. Please consider supporting our work on Inside the Vatican by purchasing a digital subscription to America Magazine. You can do that at americamagazine.org slash subscribe. Thanks. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.